Hello and welcome to Nice Talks. I'm Matthew Brown, a member of NICE's media relations team. In this episode, we're going to be learning more about NICE's early value assessment process and how we're working with colleagues at NHS England to implement our committee's recommendations on digital health technologies for children with mental health conditions. We'll hear from Sarah Byron, NICE's Programme Director for Devices, Diagnostics and Digital, and Lily Tang, Deputy Director of Digital Investment Strategy at NHS England. Thank you both for joining. Sarah, if I can start with you. What is NICE doing to promote access to technologies that have been deemed safe to use but still have a limited evidence base, which would normally prevent a NICE committee from recommending them for use by NHS patients? We've been piloting a new approach at NICE called Early Value Assessment, and this is really looking at how we can make sure that the benefits from health technologies are realised in the NHS and also make sure that where technologies are claiming those benefits, they are actually being delivered in the real world as well. It's one of the key areas that we've been looking at at NICE. For really value assessment, what we're really looking at doing is focusing this approach on the technologies that matter most, and that might be the technology, it might be the key area, the unmet need in the NHS, the problem they're addressing, making sure advice that we provide is useful and usable. So we're looking at layout and presentation of the information that comes out of committee and how we can provide that in an easier way that's really accessible and really timely so you don't have lots and lots of reading to do. And thirdly, just designing a structure that allows us to pull evidence and data back in from the NHS when they're actually using these technologies as well. And all of this early value assessment has been done in partnership and collaboration with the NHS England and MHRA. And we're strengthening this as we go as well. We've done the first year of pilots and we're looking to keep on building on that as well. So very much linked in the system as much as possible, both in terms of partners and regulators, but also looking to strengthen that feedback from clinicians and clinicians who are actually using these technologies. Lily? Can you explain what the barriers are to using digital health technologies by NHS clinicians and patients? And can you explain how these are being overcome? So we've been working on trying to clarify the routes to market for digital health tech for the past six plus months, working very much in partnership with nice colleagues. And we really want this ongoing work to be fully driven by what's going to be most useful for clinicians and patients. So we want to clarify the assurance steps to get digital health technologies adopted more beneficially within the NHS, which includes the assurance routes and the evidence requirements that are needed, clarifying who pays for what and how can we go about commissioning these products, what price to pay for those products, and then also how do we ensure that we strike the right balance to support products to be utilised within the NHS whilst there is still an element of evidential uncertainty, but where a specific product is helping to to address, for example, unmet need. We also have heard that there are various barriers in terms of supporting clinicians to feel empowered to make decisions around the use of digital health technologies within the overarching clinical pathway and to understand how that fits within the day-to-day operating business and not just a bolt-on that is not easily fed through to delivering patient care on a daily basis. And what we also want to do is ensure that we utilise the benefits of digital health tech to ensure that the data that might be collected within apps and digital health technologies is constantly utilised to improve the product's operation and to ensure that the products are delivering against their intended impacts. And key to that, crucially, is that we do this in a way that manages any risks around data usage so that there are certain safeguards around privacy, data sharing and so on. Coming back to you, Sarah, 
Can we focus on the guidance NICE has published recommending four digital technologies that can help children and young people with mild to moderate symptoms of anxiety or low mood? Can you explain what the technologies are and the approval process, please? So in terms of the interventions that we've included in this one for digital guided self-help cognitive behavioural therapy, it had to be based on the principles of cognitive behavioural therapy. There's an awful lot of digital apps out there and digital therapeutics. Some of them might be more in the well-being space. And we were looking here, these, you know, these are symptoms, mild to moderate symptoms. So we want to make sure we've got the principles of CBT in there. We also looked into how it could be used with support of healthcare professionals. So not necessarily self-referral of people driving that themselves, but actually can it be used in a form where you've got the healthcare professional on the side as well. Obviously, appropriate regulatory approvals, we checked all that, and also needs to be available for use in the NHS. When we made the recommendations, the NHS needs to be able to make sure they're available from a company perspective that they're on the market as well. And there are all different ways of interacting. Some of them are games, some of them are providing that information that you would see from CBT. So designed in different ways, but essentially all addressing that same purpose that we've stated in our brief for this piece of guidance. When we looked at these technologies, we've maybe pulled out a number of benefits along with the team and also looked at managing the risk of early access, which is how these decisions in early value assessment are being made that that benefit versus risk ratio and how we can balance that in terms of access one of the key benefits of these digital technologies is they can be used remotely and also that people can access them when they want to so for children young people who maybe don't have access to the treatment at the moment for whatever reason that may be or maybe on a waiting list these are an alternative initial treatment option that they could try and beneficial to them so that access piece of digital technology in general is really important particularly um, at the moment with the pressures that we have post-pandemic The early value assessment process looks at promising technologies which do not yet have a mature evidence base. Sarah, can you outline what the benefits and risks the committee has weighed up when recommending these digital mental health apps for children? The early evidence on these technologies do suggest they improve symptoms. So we obviously want more evidence to prove it completely, but there is some evidence there and patients also feedback was that they were finding them beneficial as well. The other part was in terms of resources. So having this additional treatment option could reduce demand on other treatment options available. So the face-to-face approach for CBT, but also may prevent people moving into more severe mental health condition, um, which can be more costly to treat and obviously is more intensive treatment as well. So there's some resources here by using these technologies in the symptoms of low mood and anxiety where it's mild to moderate may actually help the other treatment options be available to more people as well so that we're using these to triage people effectively so they're going direct to treatment option that helps them the most and actually helps them get to treatment the other aspect of these digital technologies was the quality piece so we actually had feedback that particularly for children and people have neurodiversity they may actually prefer interacting on a regular basis with these apps rather than a, a person so there's also lots of different things in here and also children and young people some of the games and the way they interact with these was really interesting and may actually improve the effectiveness of the tech treatment for these children in terms of managing risk of early access we wanted the clinical assessment that would front just to manage any risk of early access we also wanted to make clinical support just to check how things are going and to make sure if any symptoms do become worse that they're actually picked up really quickly as well. So this is the kind of looking at how we manage risk of technology within the pathway of care. But I think the one part of this technology access is that these are non-invasive. So it's not something people are taking internally, but obviously one of the main risks is if they don't work, what happens to that person's conditions? And Lily, what are the barriers to introducing digital health technologies into the NHS from your perspective? What is the feedback you are getting on the current situation? What we've been hearing from colleagues, both from industry, but also from the sector, so again, clinicians through to commissioners and other colleagues, that there is lack of clarity on the regulatory requirements and that there are likely many, many products out there that don't have the relevant regulatory approvals. It's also unclear to industry how to gradually get their products into the NHS 
a key reason for introducing the early value assessment process is to try to move away from that we're kind of like in a chicken and egg situation and we say that because there is not sufficient evidence generated for a product we would not allow that to be utilized within the NHS and what we want to do is to try to better balance risks and benefits and to enable gradual and managed access to products as the evidence is generated and we can get to further routine scale and adoption within the NHS. We've also heard that there isn't um, sufficient clarity on commissioning products and how to go about paying a certain price for the product. We understand that for a specific product, for example, for the same use case, that there are probably multiple different prices being paid within the NHS. And given that the NHS is a big organisation, we should do more to support securing value for money for the NHS and for taxpayers, but also ensuring that we reward innovators sufficiently also, because we definitely want to make sure that the UK remains an attractive environment for innovation and investment in digital health tech. By clarifying the policy approach all the way from upstream, how do we ensure that we're focusing on the right areas and clinical pathways where we believe that digital can make a real difference for clinicians and patients, all the way through to how can we support evidence generation whilst a product is still developing fully against the intended impacts? And then how can we support all commercial and procurement aspects and ensure that we are securing best value for money for the NHS? The work that we're doing will clarify a national maximum price for those products which are conditionally recommended through the early value assessment process. And that will help to give greater certainty both to industry as to what sort of price they can receive. That price will be informed by the nice assessment of clinical, but also cost effectiveness. And then local commissioners, purchasers of these products do also have the autonomy to further negotiate those prices down. But we're hoping that by providing a single national maximum price for early value assessment, conditionally recommended products, that that helps to guide what sort of price would lead to a product to be cost effectively used within the NHS and secure value for money. We also are working towards the longer term ambition, which is that we are able to provide information and the support to all colleagues within the system and also to patients and patient groups to understand how to pay for and procure these products. And generally, we, over the longer term at least, would expect that procurement and commissioning of these products will be via local budgets, especially in the context of us moving more towards giving greater autonomy to integrated care boards. Over the shorter term and medium term, there are conversations as to whether there are elements of national NHS funding pots and or external government funding pots that we can help to support the progress of digital health technologies into the NHS as the market continues to mature so that we give the potential of digital to support the NHS the best chance possible and to give it greater parity, for example, with other aspects of care delivery such as medicines. Thanks, Lily. Sarah, can you explain the impact of producing early value assessment guidance and what the plans are for the programme going forward? So in terms of impacts of this new approach, it's a huge unmet need. There could be over a million children who would benefit from these digital therapeutics. We know that the services are in really high demand. The early treatment could reduce pressures elsewhere. So it's, it's certainly making sure people get the appropriate treatment that helps them um, and putting more options on the table so that we can ensure people get what they need. The accessibility of these is particularly attractive as well. 
we're moving now into the sort of the evidence duration and see if we can get information back on this to see what is working and if there's things we need to change on that. So in terms of next step, we have decided it's going to become business as usual. It's been warmly received in terms of its intent and what we're doing and getting that assessment of evidence out there. Also for NICE, this is something we piloted live. So we've made sure we've got robust guidance and we've made sure we've assessed it appropriately. But we have done this pretty much live and learning, gathering feedback as we go from stakeholders as well. So it's quite a different way of working historically for NICE. But it's something we want to continue because it helps us be a lot more responsive to the system and it means that we can adjust our guidance, bring in feedback and our approaches much more quickly than we would have done before as well. We're at the end of another episode of Nice Talks. We hope you've enjoyed listening. If you have, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. And remember to click subscribe to keep up to date with our monthly podcast. You can find us on social media too. Search for at NiceComs. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.